the competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet now your host nick nanavani Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Art of War podcast. This week, we have a return guest star, the winner of the London Grand Tournament, and now the man who made Death Guard work at the World Championships of Warhammer, Liam VSL. Liam, how are you doing? Good, good. Hello, everyone. Hello, Liam. Thank you so much for coming on. You were really well received last time, and I just had to get you back on after doing well with Death Guard, uh, an army that everyone saw get a big glow up after the balance stage sleep. But did 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 it go from D tier to S tier? Like what just happened? You're the the giant man. For those of you who don't know, Liam is apparently seven feet tall, two kilometers. Not, not quite. Not quite. Not quite. Um, no, him, he and Quentin played a game, and if you don't know, Quentin's also incredibly tall, and that must have been the tallest game of Warhammer ever played. That was like the NBA, but, you know, 40K style. I mean, that was one of the tallest open and I had, indeed. I faced once another guys in stream, and both of us couldn't basically be on the stream camera because we were both too tall. That was funny as well. Oh my God! The logistical challenge. How was flying for you at this event? You know, flying all the way from Belgium to, to Atlanta—that's not a quick flight. We basically took the the, the kind of basic economy class, which was maybe a mistake for me because I didn't have a lot of room. But I mean, I'm young and I'm used to like. So it yeah, you can you can still afford these these things on your body. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So, was the travel terrible? Was it okay? Well, it was. It was my first long flight, like more than like twelve hours. I, I actually never went outside of Europe before that. So, that How was, was your experience and, in America. I mean, that was a first time. It was quite quite quick and mainly forty k, and like right. the city was like a little bit meh. But I mean, I would love to come back at one point, which I will for sure. Yeah, next time you're going to have to come stop by the Art of Warhouse. We'll show you around. Yeah, that would be cool. So we're here to talk about your performance at the World Championships of Warhammer. For those of you who don't know Liam, he is like a prodigy in the making. He is, how old are you, 20 years old? 22, 22. 22 years old. He has won the Leningrad Tournament. He's at the World Championships of Warhammer, flying in all the way from Belgium. He's played on the Belgian WTC team. And now... He's here to take it down with an army like Death Guard. In part one of this two-part episode, we're going to cover what that journey was like. How do you even go from playing Chaos Space Marines, dropping them like a hot potato in this meta, and then picking up Death Guard? What is that choice? What is the preparation for that? Limited time leading up to Worlds, unknown tournament environment. They usually play on different terrain formats. So many factors. I want to know exactly how we got here. Then we're going to break down the list detail by detail, line by line, and explain exactly how it works on the tabletop, kind of conceptually at the strategic level. And then in part two, that's for all of our subscribers, our Patreons on AOW40K.com. Liam is actually going to play back all of his games from the WCW and give us the play-by-play. How did he actually go 7-1, and one, beating some of the best players in the entire world with Death Guard? We're going to unpack it all. So Liam... I'll leave it up to you. How did you go from playing Chaos Space Marines, where we left off, LGT, Chosen Rhinos, everything's awesome, to Death Guard? So after LGT, I wanted to start to explore new things because I saw I had made like a good turn with the CSM, Chaos Space Marine. 
So, and because I'm like the chaos player of my team, I was like looking for every option, like Demon and then later Deathguard and also Chaos Space Marine. My first idea was, was still to come at, uh, worlds with, uh, Chaos Space Marine. So I like change my list, put more MSU, more rubric, three rhino, stuff like that. Play a ton of game with it. Like I lit the week before world, I was doing a Coventry Super Major with the CSM because, uh, like two weeks before the world, I was this, I was, still going with CSM, but for my team uh, preparation for WTC and stuff, I needed to test like Death Guard at one point. And after seeing a lot of how they play and stuff like that, I started to like them a lot. And I started to be like a little bit bored of CSM because I play like 40 game-ish in tournament with them and like twice as much in practice, which after like a hundred-ish game, I start to be bored of an, an army. So I decided to, yeah, let's change. Because like, I was basically see, seeing, uh, seeing that Death Guard is quite good and have a lot of play. So I wanted to like test in Tetris and like the week before world, like three days before the submission, I find like a list where I was happy about. I was like still 50-50 on submitting my CSM list. But then I decided to go like for the, for the cool part and have like more fun. Like and for the glory. Was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for the glory. Um, no, I think there was. I think you were the only Death Guard player at the WCW, and I, I know everyone was like shocked and stunned to see you actually press the submit button. I think a lot of top players looked at Death Guard, right? They got amazing rules all of a sudden. Contagions are phenomenal. You're going to explain that to us, but you know their data sheets are still, at least on from our perspective, a little lackluster. And putting it together, how does it all come together? That takes time and testing and all that stuff that you were willing to put in very quickly that I don't think a lot of people were, you know, Eldar's tried and true, CSM is tried and true. The um, It almost felt like you were snowflaking. And whenever you snowflake, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. And I would say, Liam, it worked really, really well. So congratulations. I mean, yeah, it was not really snowflake. It was more that I actually saw that, like, Death Guard was so strong and it was so weird. Nobody never played them. Like I saw like one guy playing in it that uh, to like a in a tournament and winning it. And I was there. Yeah, Death Guard is like fucking amazing. I was there. Yeah, it's like close to like top five, maybe top three army in the game right now. And not a lot of there is not a lot of talk on it. But uh, so yeah, and like so I decided to go with them. Like it was, I, I really saw I had like a shot to win with it. It like it was like not only like going with like a cooler army than csm but yeah that's awesome so you started playing death guard kind of out of like boredom and I, I totally get that i've been, been crazy reps in with csm myself and like you know i'm now exploring sisters of battle because i just need something different to do with my time um but the the death guard like what did you what did you like about them what drew you to this faction you know there's still chaos that's pretty cool but like rules wise what really did you see so first like my gameplay is a li little bit like msu like transport rhino stuff and land which death guard do actually really well between like plague mine costing costing it only 16 points per model all the little characters costing like 50 to 60 points, 70 and like 100 for the, for Typhus and like more for Mortarion. So I, I could actually build a list that were, were fitting my playstyle quite, quite, quite well. So like I start several, several lists, uh, different lists and stuff. And like 
so after like I think I had like four or five versions of the list and like after like you know you you, you do a version play like three games with it and then you're there oh that's cool that's a little bit mess so I'm gonna maybe swipe that so in the end I like so basically two weeks before this list submission I had like two lists which was similar the only difference was I had either three plague plague burst crawler or three three brigands. And like I wanted both, so when I find a list with both, I was oh that's a cool list, and then decide to submit. Interesting. So you were kind of like meh with your Death Guard list, just playing. They're okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's not better than your tried and true CSM. Um, but then when you had two lists, I guess one of three players crossed, one of three brigands, and you thought about combining them, um, that was kind of like it clicked. Yeah. And when it clicks with you for a list, you know that's. You kind of know, you feel it. You're like, I'm going to submit this. This is the one. And that's awesome. It's really cool. So what was that testing journey like, right? I think a lot of players see some potential, and I'll speak for myself just as a as an outside perspective here. And like, you know, Mortarian is kind of an auto-take at the get-go, and you're not running him. And then like, Plague Risk Crawlers are okay, it seems. You know, we've tried them. They're, they're very okay. Plague Marines and Rhinos are cheap, but they kind of suck. I don't know. The, the grenade guys are great, no arguing there, but like, how do you come with all of it together, right? Like, it's all of different ratios. You just run 60 plague marines and six rhinos. Like, you have a very nice mix. And what was the testing like to bring us to the point of your submission? So, like, first, I, I like, uh, shout out to like, as, as his name is Max, Max Gwis or something that won a tournament, I think, a month ago or something, and, and write a really cool article. You can probably find it somewhere. And I basically read that article and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So I basically start with his list. So in the, in the mind, like, write my own list, but really similar to that one, like, drop like 200 points of difference. And then I was, so it was like six, five men Plague Marine in Rhino with like three Plague Bursts and like some Terminator. And then I started to not really like the Terminator. So I played that list for like five games, drop some Terminator to put more Rhino add like the big squad with full blast spawn. And I actually find that big squad with full blast spawn do actually a ton of damage, both in shooting and in melee. So even though like Death Guard doesn't have like great uh, data sheet ability most of the time, besides maybe the biologists, but like Plague Marine only get like personal leadership when they hold an objective or, or stuff like that, which is basically irrelevant. I mean, sometime in come up, but like not a lot. And then like, the stratagem on the first read is seem like kind of meh, but actually some are really, really good because like the plus one AP is actually really amazing because it also increase, maybe I explain the strat really quick. It's basically plus one AP in shooting or in melee. And if you score critical wound and your, your target is in um, contagion range, is plus two AP on critical wound. And Death Guard have a lot of anti-infantry flamer which means that you proc those uh, those critical wounds much more easier, which, like, when all of that, like, you play some game, find out and stuff, and, like, in the end, uh, all together, that do a crazy amount of damage. So, yeah, after, like like I said, testing, like, I start with five men, end up with, like, ten men Plague Marine. Like, I start with, like, Plasma, then put Melta to fit more, like, the the target I wanted to have, like a lot of that, I, I find the list and I was kind of happy with it. Right. What it sounds like that's a lot of learning the army as you're playing it and kind of refining it. 
when you're jumping yeah. to a new faction, though, there's like so much data sheet overload, right? Like everything is kind of okay in Death Guard. Like bloat zones are only a hundred points. Um, you know, the death shrouds are a pretty decent data sheet. You can really go deep into the character spam, right? Yeah. Like, and playcasters are 65 points of value. Yeah, yeah, like the Terminator Sorcerer are amazing. Right, right. So like, yeah. your list is very refined and lean. How did you eliminate those choices from it, and why? So basically, I, I don't have a big collection in Death Guard. So like, I started with a little bit like how I had, and like when like I just it was really not really like you know uh, uh, objective choice, but more like a feeling. I, I felt that way. So like my first build was only running those data sheets, and I was kind of happy with it. So then start to I didn't have much time to practice, and I think I will still do some practice with this card to maybe find other archetype, but like. I find that build that was like looking around, I just had, you know, to make it match the list, like minus one full blind spawn, plus five, like little detail, but keeping the same data sheet. And because I want Rhino, basically, because I love Rhino Rush. So I want unit that go in Rhino. So like all the Terminator variant, I just drop it because like it only really work with rapid ingress, which are kind of easy to like see coming and even rapid ingress, you only move four after it. So you're kind of limited in option. So I decided to go fully on like body that can go in Rhino and like go from there. And I also like, Death Guard is kind of slow. So like every data sheet, so it was either fast moving, like Plague Burst is kind of fast for Death Guard and then Rhino and like it limited my choice. Obviously I look to Ally as well. Like that part was kind of easy. Like, because Nurgling is kind of a no-brain for action purposes and like minus one to hit or in melee. And then like the Brigand was another addition because they, they have a, it's a fast, like not really fast, but kind of fast shooting platform, which is neat. And with Contagion Aura, the shooting profile go to great to really, really good. Because like when you add minus one toughness to the opponent and plus technically plus one AP to the gun, suddenly like, the Gatling become become insane. Even the indirect is kind of good, and the Melta are still cool. Right. So you don't have to take the data sheets that bring the raw power because you're kind of just powering up your flamers and your bolters to better levels with the contagions. And that's really the minus one armor save stacking with the minus one toughness, and then the AP strat all just adding together. Right. Yeah. 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 It's mostly that, huh? because um, when you look at the profile, like the straight-up profile of Death Guard, they seem kind of meh. But when you add minus one save to your opponent, suddenly every single weapon in the army look good. Even like uh, a combi bolter with a little hit on Rhino is like do kind of good damage when you want because everything is kind of plus one AP, which is like really cool. Like even like fist in melee, because like, Plague Marine, they have like basically uh, it's a Plague Knife, which is basically no EP damage one, strength four attack with lethal hit. And like when you look at that first, is that oh, that does nothing, but actually it does quite a lot because when you are, you can go to technically AP two, lethal hit on five, like all of that is like, yeah, it's a lot of like little combo that when you put together, you kill anything, which is kind of satisfying, really good to feel. Like I like those kind of units, you know. I can basically kill anything with, with the right target priority and stuff like that because like one unit probably don't do it, but when you add the Rhino, maybe another five man, another grenade strat, help from indirect a bit, stuff like that, you basically kill anything. 
that's really fascinating. It's kind of that combined arms approach. And we're seeing that a lot in Warhammer um, right now, the MSU, multiple small unit armies that just, you know, do a little bit here, a little bit there, smooth block there, charge something there, create chaos on the table, and win all these little mini fights around the board. And yeah, together exactly. it all adds up. Is that like your play style as a person, or do you find that just very effective yeah. in Warhammer today? Yeah, I mean, it's my playstyle as a person, and it's kind of true in the meta right now. But, like, generally, what I like to do is generate a lot of mini fights, which the impact is actually really important. Like, and this guy is actually really good at winning those mini fights, like a rhino versus five random dudes, stuff like that. The rhino suddenly between, like, the minus one save from the base, uh, the contagion, the bolter become AP1. You go in, tongue shock, fight in melee. You can even kill one more guys in melee because you hit on four, strength six. Even if your opponent is, like, toughness four with the minus one toughness, they go to toughness three. So you win on two, they have minus one save. So all of that, like, you can, you generate really a lot of mini fight where you can win. Generally, Death Guard are not that good at winning, like, the big fight. Like, I don't know, for example, Plague Marine versus Wraith Guard or stuff like that, but all the mini fights where like there is like a Rhino versus Five Spider, those fights generally go their way, which is kind of cool. I love that you're using your Rhinos to kill things. That's just really cool. Like you don't think of using Rhinos as offensive pieces, but with put some guys inside, that's two dudes shooting out top, the combi bolt through the havoc launcher, it adds up. It really does. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we talk about what your actual submission choice was. Because you had Death Guard and you had CSM. And how seriously were you taking this tournament and the competition and the testing for the format and all that? Because there's so many variables flying overseas into a field you really don't know that well into a format you don't play. What was that like? So, yeah, I basically, from after LGT, I start to play a lot on GWI terrain for testing that. And I was playing CSM a lot and a lot. And, like, I play, like, like 30 games with CSM, but it was a lot of Eldar because in my team they were a lot playing Eldar, so like testing those, but testing other matchups. And like, after I think I saw a lot about the competition and then realized that the meta was kind of cool and um, how do you say it? healthy enough that it didn't matter what I would bring as long as the army is good because I think at the end it will only play on the table. Because you, if you take like the best army that was CSM, everybody were taking against it anyway. So everyone would have had like practice. So taking a slightly worse, but like the other people are a little bit less trained versus it would in the end be the same. And all that will matter would be like you at the table playing, b try to be, to be better than your opponent or have, do the better choice on like the, the instinct or something like that would be the, the term, the, the big factor and not really the, army list you would submit so i think that's a really great way to look at it too it's so easy to get lost in the sauce about lists and the optimizations and this matchup and that matchup and especially like when you're preparing for team events or if you're in a more broken meta when there's like a very strong combo or army that's obviously dominating it, it's that's when the list kind of matters more but the meta is healthy for the most part. Although and CSM are very good, of course, but most armies can hang, as you've proven. Death Guard going seven one here. So, like, when you say it's up to you as a general on the table, that's obviously like kind of outplaying your opponent. 
And one thing, I, I love that answer, by the way, but one thing that I think is a little bit challenging with that is you've just picked up Death Guard two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. Oh, and then yeah. you know, how much time to practice that on me versus, you know, the hundreds of reps you have on CSM. How does that value? So I actually didn't pick Death Guard two weeks ago. I did it one month ago. And, you know, starting to play like, I don't know, one or two games a week during the two first week. I did like five or six games. And then, like, I was ready with CSM anyway. So I literally stopped playing CSM after, like, like three weeks before the event. I only play CSM in, like, actual tournament, not in training game because I had enough reps anyway. So I was more playing for, like, trying to find new options and stuff for, like, like I say, for my team, uh, for the BTC team, like, you know, demon stuff like that. And so I start to play more. Like, when I was doing a training game, like, I had, like, for example, guys coming with, I don't know, Eldar. I was there, yeah, I play. 20 games, the, ga the game Elder CSM, I know how it's going to go. So I'm just going to play Death Guard instead to see how that goes. And, you know, stuff like that. And in the end, I practice like, I, I mean, I practice, I, I would say for me, it's not that much, but generally it's good enough. Like I did like maybe 15 to 20 games with Death Guard before the event, which is like kind of a fair amount already. So no, it's a lot of Warhammer. That's more Warhammer than I play. That's for sure. <laughs> No, your preparation for it definitely speaks volumes to your player skill and performance here. I mean, the fact that you see these little micro combinations and you turn rhino combi bolters and little flamers that people write off as useless into real damage dealing elements is is something that someone who is a faction expert I would expect from. And you've been able to replicate that in just about a month, you know, with confidence enough to submit it to Worlds. I think there's something really telling about that. There is also an element of like looking for it and like when you look for something and you find something, it's easier, but it's really impressive nonetheless. Yeah. But I mean, when you think about it, Death Guard is the gameplay of Death Guard is kind of close to like CSM. So I like the, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Like we say, like, like it yeah. was like, like it's Rhino. So in, in CSM, you have Rhino and then you put like, I don't know chosen with combi weapon or even like rubric with soul reaper and rhino and you use the firing deck a lot to to engage the the units to like to start the trade put a rhino shoot with the firing deck with good weapon inside shoot with the bolter with dark pack with csm and then charge tongue shock in death guard is kind of the same you put the rhino shoot with bolter flamer from inside and then like tank shock and you have the minus one save instead of the dark pack, which in the end is like kind of similar. And like you initiate the trade like this, killing the chaff unit. So then the opponent has to come kill the rhino. And then you, in this guard, you even fight first. So they cannot really charge you. If you position the rhino well, you, you are not shootable because you disembark behind a wall. And then all of that, like those kind of mechanics is stuff you, you start to like know through every codex because you play that in like that make like that gameplay in CSM, even in Harlequin in that, and you can just replicate that to any codex you play. Yeah, there's definitely transferable skills between the armies, and I think that leveraging like a marine is still a marine, a rhino is still a rhino, that goes a really long way. And then you know, brigands and plaguebris crawlers are not rocket science to figure out how to play, but we'll get into the list and how yeah. it plays, you know, a little bit. Deeper in the show. I have one more question to ask on this stuff, though. There is a real speed difference between Chosen charging out of a Rhino and Plague Marines you know, meandering out of a Rhino, right? Advance and charge yeah. on move six versus just move five. And that across an army, like, 
that is a real challenge to try to learn because you just a different way of positioning your models. What was that like? So basically, the, the difference between chosen and plague marine is that chosen are basically a melee unit with a little bit of shooting, like grenade and stuff. Plague marine are basically the opposite. It's a shooting unit with a little bit of melee, when, with a fair amount of melee, because like basically and. To basically compensate the fact you move five, you, what you actually do with Rhino is you move actually 12, disembark, just shoot, and then you let your opponent come at you because you fight first or you're in a position where you cannot get shoot. So you use the, fa the, the, the movement of the Rhino to be faster. And in the end, it, it ends end up being relatively similar in the way where our objective, where you basically want to uh, interact with units that are close to objectives. So if you put a Rhino with moving 12, you don't need to be m that much faster to interact with the unit you need to interact in most of the matchup. Like some matchup, like Eldar, it's a little bit trickier, but obviously, like, that's another subject. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love the way you describe that too. Like, you don't have to be fast. The Rhino makes up for it specifically. And then um, most people, I think, view Plague Marines as combat units, right? A 10-man comes with five heavy melee weapons, but it can also come with a lot of guns, as we'll see. But I think this is a great segue into what the list you actually took was. So if you can kind of go through it line by line, Liam, what is the army you took to WCW? So the army is kind of easy. It's three Biologist Putrefire, two full Blightspawn for the character. Then for the infantry, it's two 10-man Plague Marine with the same loadout, which is basically... Heavy weapon, plasma pistol on the surge, two melta, two plague spewer, one blind launcher, and four heavy weapon. So that's make the 10 men. And then I have four, five men with a plasma heavy weapon on the surge, one melta, one plague spewer, two heavy weapon, all the same loadout too. And all, of, uh, no, two, two, five men, not four, sorry, two, five men. And all of the, those four units goes in three rhino, like, Generally, it's going to be the two 10 men with the, like the biologists, they can, I mean, I will go detail later, but like two characters, ten, two 10 men in Rhino, and like the two five men with the last character in the last Rhino. Then I have three Plague Burst Crawler with Mortar and Entropy and the Slugger, and then three Brigand with uh, the, also the Avoc Launcher Indirect on top with like the Melta and the Gatling, obviously, and then two three men Nurgling for Infiltration, Deep Strike and stuff. So that's the list. So this actually strikes me as a nice balance force. It's definitely skewed towards shooting, but uses combat as like a counterpunch, right? You got three Plague Burst Crawlers, three Brigands, all those packs some quality anti-tank shocks, and all that indirect between the mortars and even the Havoc launchers adding up. And the Brigands love the minus one toughness and minus one save, or as your army's emitting. And then you got these Rhinos, for you know, midfield boxing and kind of objective play and stuff like that. I can kind of see how it comes together. But in your words, Liam, how did you use this army? So, like the idea is, you basically you the, the first idea, like um, a comparison I had in mind is basically you're playing better Chaos Knight because you have good infantry. So you are those nine Stompy robots, which are basically Rhino Plague Burst and Brigand, where you can push the middle on a lot of match. And because you have the Plague Marine that you can either move, uh, keep in counter charge or push with them, 
like the opponent will often have a choice between like dealing with like those kind of tanky tens that on the paper don't do that much damage. I mean, they do a fair amount, but not that much. Or like those good damage dealers that are the plague marine. And like you can kind of like rush your opponent in a knowing way for him to deal with because like between fight first from the the um, the flamer dude, the full blade spawn. Or like all, you can stack minus one to it a bit. Even if you take minus one save like 95% of the time, you can still like, uh, you have a smoke on the rhino and you have a stretch to make minus, to give stealth to any unit in the, um, in the codex. So all of that is kind of important and like all of that adapts together. And so, like, the army would work how? So, basically, it's um, generally try to push the, put the rhino in an aggressive, like, not on the line, because I don't want to lose them early, but as aggressive as I can to still be hiding or in position where they don't die. And I will push the rhino to the midfield to start while, like, killing the little chaff uh, from with the indirect. Generally, would put some stuff in deep strike because it's still a slow army. So using like using like rapid ingress to reach the home field objective or stuff like that is kind of important because generally you're kind of fast enough to to reach the midfield, but reaching the home field of your opponent is really hard. So like putting like either a rhino in rapid ingress or like a brigand or two, so you can like kill the chaff with the indirect, like, you know, the 10 cultists that's going to screen the corner and then infiltrate a knight in the backfield, stuff like that, which is kind of important, all of that. And then if your opponent, like, screen evilly his backfield, he put less pressure on the midfield, so you win the midfield and it's single, so winning by, like, five points is enough. So all of that is, like, common strategy. Like, the Rapid Ingress Rhino is actually a play I like it a lot because it allows you to react more to your opponent. Because with Death Guard, the problem is that when you deploy a unit, it's kind of there. You can go in one position, but then where you're on that position, you move five. So you will not go, you will not interact with the rest of the battlefield uh, quickly enough to do stuff that matter. Because like generally, would, you would go like, you know, on the edge objective to reach like the other edge objective basically mean you're never going to do it. So having that, you know, rapid ingress rhino where you can basically like on turn two or three see where like, the big fight's gonna happen. Rapid ingress that Rhino on the big fight to help winning that side. And like on the other side, you already kind of still winning anyway. Stuff like that is kind of important. Yeah, no, I love the description there. I would not have described it that way myself, and that's why you're here, right? Like, so you're playing your Death Guard like Chaos Knights. That's the first thing that caught my attention. It's also like the first thing you said. For those of you who didn't follow that analogy, that Chaos Knights are a little deceptive in their play style. They're a very primary control army. They have a stratagem to move through walls. So they can just dominate objectives by pushing objective control eight bodies onto you while threatening the fact that they're really scary knights. So if you try to fight them and table them, they'll just table you back. Anyways, with Death Guard here, you described it as that, right? You have nine vehicles, the Blavers, Crawlers, Mortars, and Brigands, and the... And the Right. Rhinos, and the rhinos are kind of like objective control missiles, right? The rhin- the plague marines get out on the midfield and they're staying there. And then your description of focusing on the indirect to clear other screens, the cultists and stuff, get the brigand outflanked back there, or react with the rhino to make up for move five by outflanking the rhino. Um, all really, really awesome plays, kind of really coming together. 
and you're using the fact that you're debuffing your opponent to leverage your stats into a way that you're actually just like kicking their ass with it. What kind of armies, without getting too specific in your matchups, that's what part two is, give this like uh, this trouble. This is a pretty sound strategy here. So it actually works really well against most army. Obviously, like the army that is kind of cheap enough to screen me, like like if you make the fight happening too late in the game, I will not push enough. So that game could be like struggling for me because you could win because you have like this guard doesn't have that great like secondary control or stuff like that. So like if an army like that is either fast enough that can like you know precisely go focus one flank and then can move on the other flank and precisely focus that one is annoying or like army that have like a lot of cheap screen and can just afford to play like the same game as me kind of like you know putting five idiots on objective like an army denied primary and then make the game like still keeping the big dealer damage dealer for later could be annoying Stuff like that, but overall, this guard have a fair, not a lot of bad matchup. Most of I didn't like maybe beside like one or two difficult one. Most of the rest is like good matchup, so it's kind of good. I'm also a little bit scared of really hard shooting army and hit you know hitting a bad table where like I can just lose my rhino turn one because I need my rhino alive on turn one to be able to move through the middle because if not, I'm like kind of stuck. So. Losing the Rhino turn two or three is not a problem, but losing them turn one is annoying. So, like, some army have the, you know, like the, are fast enough slash kill enough to kill Rhino fast. And those ones are kind of annoying if I, like, you know, uh, hit the bad table. So, yeah, the, those ones are the two I scared, I think. The two right. archetypes. Okay, no, I think that's that's awesome. And then one more question for you before we kind of move on to our actual matchups and this part two discussion here. What are your secondaries and like how aggressive are you playing this army? Because one thing I also notice is that you just give up, bring it down. That stuff is free. Um, if you're if you give your opponent the option to just do deploy homers and bring it down, you I mean, have to make up the difference here. So how are you approaching that scoring aspect of the game? I actually give twenty on assassination and bring it down in my list. Which I, I, some of the people say to me that I didn't, they didn't understand how the list could work by giving 40 secondary points. But what I answer is that most of the time it actually doesn't matter. Cause second, like, so it either matters because I'm, I'm losing anyway, or like I'm trying to win the fight most of the time. So when I'm winning the fight, you're not scoring those points kind of easily because like the PBC are not like given, like the PBC and the brigand are always in a second wave. So if you don't, win against my first wave, which are the Rhino and the Plague Marine, you will not score Bring It Down for the Plague, Bar the Plague Burst and the, the Brigand. And even if you win on my second wave, but I did so many damage, I will just finish the game with the three Plague Burst and the three Brigand. So that's not that much. So the secondary option for Death Guard are generally, they go tactical okay, because nowadays most of the tactical rely you to go in the middle, slash killing unit on objective, slash killing unit. And like the like the annoying one, like, you know, uh, investigate signal or stuff like that. You, you put that three men nurgling in deep strike. So if you, and you deep strike in, in a way, you're sure to be able to do it at worst for like two points on signal. If you draw it, you only score two points. It's fine. Or at worst, you just discard it to gain a CP. So they, they do tactical. Okay. But most of the time, I will just go like Homer plus killers plus a killing secondary. If my opponent allow you, to, allow me to do so, because it just, so much easier to like 
Homer de Middle Every Turn and like kill tank or kill whatever, kill character. Those kind of stuff is important, uh, is easier because Homer is uh, so good as a secondary that, and they do that fine. Like I will score 30 on secondary. It's not gonna, like it's fine enough. Even if my, even if my uh, opponent score 40 on secondary, if I lose it, I would have lost even if they score like 35, which is like easy enough to, to score on most, in most missions, like for most army anyway. So, like, I'm not too worried about giving up secondary. Yeah, it's a very interesting approach to list building. You know, give not. I was thinking you only have five characters, which is maximum assassinate, but you could deny that in theory. But they're attached to your units that you need to use, and they're a good portion of your damage dealing. Like, they're just being thrown at your opponent. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't care. I, it's amazing to see. And it's I amazing to see it work, really. I had game where I give like 30 secondary to my opponent on one turn, and it was still okay. Are so you I, just, are you like, like you just said, right? You don't even flinch about that stuff. Like, you're not trying to be cagey and force them to come to you to get the points at least. You're just giving them to your opponent. What if I mean, they're also an army that's like scoring super high? Like, they're, you know, you're playing Sisters of Battle or Orcs or something that's just going to score its primary because of the virtue of its army. And then secondaries are handing them. So there is two, two, two. If I play well normally, those armies are kind of armies that table kind of easily, easily. So it's not really a concern. And that if the army is really, really annoying for that, like, you know, I don't table them. The mission is going to be really high primary anyway, like priority target or something like that. And then they score really good secondary as well. I'm maybe going to lose by like two or three or maybe five points. But like, like I say, I'm mainly a team player. So like for single, obviously it's important, but because I like the list is mainly for team and like most of my list, I play mostly for team anyway. Single is only a training for team. So like it don't bother me at the list building step of my, of my tournament. Like I'm not going to stop a list because like sometimes it's going to lose by five points against some matchup because losing by five points is still a 10, 10 in WTC scoring. So it's fine to me. But in single, obviously you want to try to win by one. So I will like, you know, the opponent take, bring it down. It's not auto 20, even though like assassination is really close to an auto 20 in how I play, but bring it down. is much more harder to score. So like if they score, bring it down. It's okay. Like they're going to score like 12 to 15 if I decide so and I win. So, so it's fine. I can win by two, three points, but, and if I lose, I lose. Huh? It's not happen. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Really just, you know, if you're, if you're going to go for the strategy of winning the game by a lot, cause I'm killing them, it really doesn't matter. And I really love that about your book. It's very uh, honest in that regard. So I think, I've already kind of put the bull before the horns here. We're talking about matchups already. Liam, thank you so much for coming on this show. We're going to talk about our matchups in part two, everybody. So you can catch that on AOW40K.com. This is going to wrap it up for part one of the show. But do please join us on part two. You'll get access to this episode, all 216 other episodes, and our Discord server for just five bucks a month. So you know what? Why don't you hop right in there? Liam, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you to, to you to have me. All right, we will see you next week, listeners. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.